Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Thursday, January 12th, 2023. And our top story today, U.S. retail gasoline prices ended the year lower than at the start of 2022. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Kevin Heck is with the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Well, Kevin, it's great to see you. Thanks for making some time this morning and uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you so much. Uh, let's talk about gas prices. And, and you and the, and the folks at the Energy Information Administration just put out a nice, very important brief uh, on gasoline prices. Let's take a look back before we look a little bit ahead to what's going on with gas prices. How did gas prices do overall in 2022? So 2022 had uh, some of the highest, had historically high levels of gasoline prices. It was the highest uh, average annual gasoline retail price since 2012 when adjusted for inflation. Um, so uh, pretty high gasoline prices, especially in the first half of the year. And, and, and is there a rationale as to why, you know, we had some supply chain disruptions. We had the war going on, I think, in the Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia. But from your analysis, what, what may have led to some of the um, increases? So, uh, yeah, so a lot of factors really contributed, kind of like you mentioned, to the rise in gasoline prices. Uh, obviously, the the war, the kind of Russian full-scale invasion in Ukraine, uh, contributed to a lot of uncertainty and disruption in global energy markets. Uh, it was, you know, pretty widely reported that, you know, crude oil prices reached to incredibly high levels, uh, partly in response to that, but also there were a lot of factors coming out of 2021 uh, that still had kind of rising energy prices, even before the kind of major disruption um, in Eastern Europe. So, uh, you know, and that crude oil price obviously transfers pretty directly into gasoline prices. Uh, on top of that, there's also, you know, there was a kind of constraints on global refinery supplies. So that's kind of in addition to the crude oil side of things uh, that really all contributed to uh, the higher gasoline prices, particularly again, the first half of 2022. And then there are different parts of the country that might have different gas prices. So it's not uncommon for say a California to be a little bit different than New Mexico or in Arizona, right? So each state has different pricing and taxing mechanisms that get built into that price as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so, you know, when we at EIA, when we look at the country, we break it up into kind of five regions, right? There's the East Coast, the Gulf Coast, the Midwest, the Rocky Mountains, and the West Coast. Um, and each of those regions kind of reflect different uh markets right there's you know different areas where there are refineries and pipelines that move product uh, from refineries to you know terminals and then to retail stations uh, and you know those markets aren't perfectly integrated right so it's difficult to get uh, gasoline say from a, a Texas or a Louisiana refinery uh, to the west coast uh, even if you know the pricing differential might might suggest that that's valuable right and that's on top of things like you know state taxes and kind of local regulatory problems as well and, and uh, you know, when you look at the, refiner, the refining of, of, I guess, oil, it's uh, the crude oil. I mean, there's a supply, so you need the supply of oil. But then the refinery capacity is, could be limited by, for say, hurricanes. Uh, if you're in the Gulf Coast, if you're in parts of the country that are susceptible to unfortunate weather. Sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, in, in February 2022, I believe we had the kind of big freeze. Um, that kind of is a contributory factor, for example. Um, broadly, though, also, you know, during the 2020 pandemic, uh, you know, there was the energy market, had, the global energy market really had a huge shock, 
right? And that contributed to kind of lower crude oil production because of really low crude oil prices. Uh, and that also resulted in several refineries closing down because people weren't driving, people weren't consuming motor fuels because there were all these lockdowns, both in the US and globally. Um, and so that was a huge shock to the system that we've kind of been recovering through in 2021 uh, and 2022. And so we just don't have as much refinery capacity in the United States now as we did uh, you know, in 2019. Uh, and that's also kind of a big part of the picture here, right? And so there is expanding capacity, you know, but those projects take time to come online. And so that's a big part of what we're seeing here as well. Yeah. And and, and last question before we go to a commercial break. Um, it's really a tale of two halves, right? Because when you look at, you know, you get up to the summer point, and you have all these other things going on, the, the, the war, as you mentioned, the refinery capacity, oil, the weather, et cetera. But things towards the end of the year really started to come down. I'm just looking here, um, you know, for example, um, on the East Coast, 17 cents a gallon decline by the end of the year. So it's a tale of, it could be considered a tale of two halves, but interesting to get your perspective on that. Certainly, yeah. I mean, the actual, the U.S. average retail gasoline price that we kind of put together, EIA, was actually lower in the last week of 2022 than it was in the first week. So kind of despite all these disruptions and things that happened during the year, the gasoline price ultimately has ended the year at a lower point. Uh, and I think you're exactly right that that largely happened the second half of the year. Uh, you know, part of that is consumers responding to high prices, right, is that people were driving less, finding ways to consume less because of the high price environment. Um, you know, you were seeing responses to the high crude oil prices, meaning, you know, higher crude oil production, uh, releases from the strategic petroleum reserve, um, you know, and things like that to also bring down that crude price, which in turn helps to bring down the gasoline price as well. Um, so kind of the measures taken in response to the things that happened in the first half of the year, kind of by, you know, whether that be policymakers or just consumers, businesses, you're kind of seeing that effect in the second half of the year uh, when it comes to the price kind of coming down. Well, Kevin, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about 2023. What's the EIA looking at when it comes to gasoline prices? I think you're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you got to start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're going to change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. 
This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Kevin Hack of the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Kevin, thanks so much for sticking with us this morning. Really ha appreciate having you around sure. for segment number two. Yeah, happy to happy to offer whatever information I can. Well, okay. So we saw 2022 gas prices by the EIA uh, information, the, the gas prices did trend down. That's a great sign. Let me, let me start off by asking you, for 2023, here we are in the second week of, the, of 2023. It's really hard to believe that it's a new year. What are you and the folks at the EIA looking at when it comes to energy like and gasoline prices? Yeah, so there's still an incredible amount of uncertainty in kind of global energy markets right now. Um, and obviously that kind of bleeds into the U.S. energy market as well. Um, and so those factors that we're kind of looking at. The big one right now that a lot of people in the market are kind of talking about is fears of recession, uh, fears of kind of lower economic activity. Uh, that really does kind of push back into energy consumption um, in kind of both the gasoline and diesel and crude oil worlds and stuff. And so, um, and that's also kind of a big factor that's been kind of driving uh, lower crude oil prices in the second half of the year is concerns about a potential recession in the near term. Uh, and so when we look at when we're looking next year, you know, we're seeing the kind of crude oil price, the lower crude oil prices in response to those concerns. We're expecting that to uh, continue at least to a degree, which should help to bring down retail prices uh, for gasoline and diesel. Um, we're expecting lower consumption as well. Um, the lower consumption, again, is in part, you know, people reacting to high prices, but also broadly, uh, you know, changes in U.S. Uh, in U.S. driving patterns and the cars that people kind of drive are becoming more and more efficient. And that contributes to less and less gasoline demand. And so we're seeing, we're expecting uh, lower motor gasoline demand on average uh, next year. And that's contributing as well to uh, lower prices next year. And then another big factor contributing to our outlook for prices is uh, some expansions in refinery capacity, both in the United States and globally, um, which should in theory help to reduce that kind of high refining margin between the price of real oil and the price of gasoline. And you mentioned some different driving patterns. And of course, the market's going to, re people are going to react to, they don't want to pay X number of dollars uh, if it's too costly for the budget, especially when they have to pay maybe a little bit more for some other goods and services. What about vehicles like electric vehicles? You mentioned some fuel efficient vehicles, you know, maybe going from a six cylinder to a four cylinder. Cars today are absolutely amazing with the electronic emissions. But what about those electric vehicles? Are more and more people adopting those? I know this isn't about electric vehicle cars, but how does that factor into your analysis? Yeah. So, I mean, we don't put together a sort of public facing forecast on our, uh, you know, on a, like a, a U.S. fleet composition or anything. But broadly, I mean, vehicle penetra uh, electric vehicle pen penetration into the overall U.S. vehicle fleet, uh, you know, it's increasing. 
Um, definitely my colleagues that work on our kind of longer term outlook. Uh, it's a major factor uh, in, in U.S. motor consumption, in U.S. motor gasoline consumption uh, that's going to really, that we do think, you know, it, it is contributing to longer term downward pressure on uh, petroleum motor fuels consumption. Um, but even like you said, even if it's, even if you're just looking at petroleum consuming cars, right, gasoline cars, uh, they're still, they're also growing more efficient than they used to be. Uh, and, you know, that that efficiency doesn't always show up at the national level immediately, right? If there's a new CAFE standard that comes out, you know, people still have to, you don't, you don't buy a new car every time a new emission standard comes out. Uh, yeah. So that kind of, that fleet turnover takes some time to really work its way. And so even just efficiency standards changes that might've happened five years ago are still uh, working their way into the kind of current consumption level. Yeah, and, and I was I was just laughing because I I could never buy a new car every time that there were changes in in cafe standards. Sure, uh, probably most Americans couldn't either. Uh, just to kind of wrap things up in terms of um, the the supply, imp improving the supply. Are there things that you're looking at in terms of from policymakers perhaps, or just uh, maybe from other countries that we should keep our eyes out on that may have an effect on gasoline? Certainly, I would think. Uh, oil production probably helps with lowering gasoline supply, but what about refinery production? What, what do we need to keep our eyes on as we're looking at the gas pump every every time we fill up? So, I mean, EIA is a policy neutral agency. We don't really recommend certain policies for policymakers to take, and, you know, we don't try and say this was good or bad. Um, broadly, I mean, things like, uh, things that expand the amount of crude oil available, uh, whether that's, you know, globally or in the U.S., um, you know, that is in the longer term going to contribute to lower crude oil prices. Um, but that's only, that is only on the supply side, right? So on the demand side, which for crude oil can be very, uh, sensitive to a lot of global factors, uh, you know, has been a kind of big part of what's been pulling down, um, prices this in the kind of second half of the year, in addition to a lot of the stuff, uh, on the supply side, right? So those kind of have been working together, um, you know, supply disruptions, things like OPEC cuts, those can, can those can or those are intended to at least contribute to higher crude oil prices. Uh, on the refinery side, you know, building people building more refineries, or I guess more accurately in the U.S., expanding existing refineries. Uh, you know, those projects should help to reduce the margin on gasoline, but they also take an incredibly long period of time um, to come online, just because it's a very large financial decision for companies to make. Uh, you know, they're very complex projects that have to kind of get designed and approved. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the bigger projects that we're seeing coming online uh, in 2023, you know, those have been in the works for a while, right? It's not like they saw, you know, prices doing what they were doing last year and decided they were going to add 300,000 barrels per day of refining capacity. Um, but, you know, when those projects come online, they should be contributing to uh, increasing the availability of gasoline compared to where we were at last year. You mean it doesn't work like SimCity where you just plop a <laughs> refinery and all of a sudden the production goes up and that would be that would be amazing if it did it well, Kevin, we're gonna leave it yeah it'd be, it'd be amazing right kevin we're gonna have to leave it there really appreciate your uh, insight and analysis and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon thanks so much great thank you for having me and that wraps up this episode of brnam have a topic of interest someone you think we should talk to drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle wellness finance tech so much more in all in one place check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to start our archives, check out our latest content? We'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Waiting here for you to take
Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The tax relief line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. 